Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to freedom, Open the Voice Gate for May 23rd, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on the Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, Case Slow. And Case, w- 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 as we tend to do this, I just want to get this out front first. Game three is about to happen. Stars versus Knights. Who do you got? I'm going to continue riding the wave of the Golden Knights. I, I enjoy this team historically, since they've only existed for like five years. I've always enjoyed this team. I, I think they're going up 3-0 here. Disgusting. The only correct choice is the Dallas Stars on home ice getting closer back to it as a long time Dallas Stars defender. I'm sickened by this. What did El Bell for do to you? I, I, I don't know. Nothing. Can I th- can I throw another impromptu topic your way as a f- fair warning for people? 
we're going to take a minute to get to the Drangate here. Not a lot of positive thoughts to go around in this podcast. Can I throw a, a different topic your way now that we've done our 30 seconds of ice hockey talk? All right, we, we've satisfied our Toronto overlords. What do you got? Are you caught up on not HBO's, but Max's hit series, Barry? My man, I... This has been one of the most insane, like, like I think the season of Barry is up there. Like, it is incredible the swings that they have taken and landed on a series that we've been talking about, Case, kind of ever since Barry really came about that this is one of the more uh, courageous shows of willing to do things. And, you know, sorry for folks that are, are letting Barry stack up here. We're going to talk spoilers about this for a while. The time jump and how they managed to pull it off alongside everything that happened right leading up to it and just leaving us, not letting us see the aftermath, I thought was really brilliant. So to to use your verbiage of up there, you know, I thought season one was up there. Season one was so good that I was like, God, I hope they don't do a season two because I don't think they can follow up. And then I thought season two was even better. And then season three was better than season two. And we're now in this hellish vortex known as season four. We have one episode left. And it has been because I did not watch The Sopranos in real time. I I have not seen Breaking Bad. I am not a dork. I did not watch Game of Thrones. Watching Barry from start to finish in real time has been the most rewarding experience of my life. As a television viewer, this is a Pantheon S tier 1A, write the new TV, the book book and put Barry as high in the accolades as you possibly can. And it's something that, you know, each season, I feel like that there is a different actor on the show that I'm drawn towards for that season. The first one. First one's Noho Hank in season yes. one, right? I mean, Anthony Kerrigan just was just a force of nature, you know, just coming out of this. And then when you got into season two, that was when we were getting into the weirdness of Gene a little For bit. Sure. That that was this. Season three was kind of the Fuke show in a way. Interesting. I, so, season- okay, I'm curious to, to see where you're at on season four then. The most fascinating character this year, and especially since the time jump, is Sally. Okay, yes. So... I, I think I I enjoy so much of Sally's season three work, but th- that I would give her that season and I would shift season four's focus to Fuchs because I was talking to a friend over the weekend about like his his entire show arc of just flipping at a moment's notice and siding with whoever needs his help at that second has been so entertaining and I'm so glad that that is where we're at in the show. But Sally in season four, the depth that she has gone to, Open the voice gate, famously a non-horny show, but Sally with dark hair unlocking something I didn't know I wanted. It has all been perfect. Absolutely not hyperbole perfect with her. Case, when I relaunch DGUSA with Ho-Ho, when we get this all going, I'm going to make sure that there's going to be a show in the Metroplex, of course. You know, Spears Territory is back live again. And you're going to come down to that, and I'm going to make sure that you can go and and, and get your fill of the uh, old wa- the, the diner waitress because I feel like that that this is happening into something. Oh, there. oh my god! Think? I mean, look, it's I, I I enjoy to to steal a line from Everlast. I enjoy some white trash. Beautiful. Now I'm 
of course, ha- happily linked up at this point. Uh, Mike and I were talking off the air about, you know, Kobe World has famously over the last few years, Kobe World's been very inconvenient for me with my work schedule. It's always during one of the busiest weekends of the year because it coincides with Lollapalooza, which I have to deal with with my shoot job. And this year, Lollapalooza was moved back a week into August and Kobe World was moved up. And then I was looking at my calendar and I was like, son of a bitch, I am on the road. Kobe World weekend again, this time uh, visiting my girlfriend's hometown. So I, I, I don't know if I'm at a stage in life where I can take you up on said diner waitresses, but 1 million percent, absolutely something that uh, if circumstances were different, I could see myself making many terrible mistakes in that environment. It. It's something with Kobe World, like not only did somehow it get changed to much earlier in July that you were going to be out of town, it's the morning after my birthday. <laughs> it's every year without fail, it is the most inconvenient weekend in July. Whatever that may be, for whatever reason, it's always like, oh, that's World Weekend? Why? Why this weekend? Yeah, no, and it's something that... It, it's always in July, but I, I just feel like somehow in the middle of the summer as the Vegas nights are already are making me pay Yeah, a minute for a minute eleven in the first period. Uh, it, it it's something that I just feel like that July is such a packed month. Maybe it's suns out guns and, out month. It's, it's I don't I you yeah, know that, the Japanese true. wrestling not the focus. It's suns out guns out. Yeah, no. Uh, did, not to go completely on Barry, but one of the things about that time skip, you brought up Fuchs and his propensity to flip on everyone. He is left in a state before the time skip where there's no one there for yeah. him, and he comes out the Raven. Comes out the Raven, and I, I, I the, and, the relationship he has with I, I guess it's his wife and stepdaughter. Is that the relationship with the two women he has? Not clarified. <laughs> Not clarified. <laughs> just kind of uh, like I I make a point. I watch Barry live as it airs. I put my phone down. It's the one show that I make an effort to pay attention to. And I'm not totally sure where those women came from. No, and, and I don't ex- suspect over the, the last hour of Barry that that's going to be. That I, I don't think that we're going to get a nice like bow tied on by uh bill Hader and alec no. Berg here about this thing and, and i don't and to be honest i'm kind of glad that we don't because we're now left now with one episode left and every basically card is on the table here and it, it it's they've set this up to be a fascinating finale so to say that be, be, before i yeah. get your finale prediction because i was talking to a co-worker today and and i think I think he laid out what is going to happen, but I, I do want to ask, is your significant other a Barry viewer? No, she is not. Okay, has, has she uh, ever seen the show? She has uh, heard me talk about it a lot, but with the caveat of, I, I, I don't even try to be like, hey, babe, do you want to like do a watcher of Barry because the finale week is, or the finale scene is coming up? I knew immediately this is not her thing. Okay. This is not her thing. So rookie mistake on my end. I'm I'm over at at my significant other's place. I had a three day weekend uh, a few weeks ago, so I was I was staying the night on a Sunday into a Monday, and I go, well, you know, I'm I'm here. You know, let's take let's take a pause from rewatching Modern Family. Let me throw on a new episode of Barry, and all she knows is Bill Hader. She's like, all right, you know, give it a shot, whatever. And it is the episode in which the sand drowning takes place in. 
and it, right so right before the time skip and the heaviest episode of the season heaviest so far. episode of the season the brutal execution at the end of the episode done by uh noho hank or i guess with noho hank bearing witness and we get through this enthralling episode of television i mean for people like you and i that have followed this journey for four seasons the twist and turns that it, it took i was almost pulling my hair out just going like what that normally Barry gets me with a twist at the end. This was a twist every scene that I didn't see coming. And the episode concludes and I roll over. And I go, what do you think? And she just looks at me with this sulked look and goes, why did you make me watch that? That was, that was awful. Why, why <laughs> did you do that? Like, oh, yeah, I like the show. So uh, we'll, we'll be with Memorial day weekend being on tap. We'll, we'll be in that same position where I'll be watching the finale uh, at her place and she might even just hop to another room this time so finale of barry this weekend give me your thoughts how does this show end well i think at the very least uh the, the, there is no saving sally and john i feel like the like john's life is over wow. no, like not physically not physically but the house of cards that barry has constructed is has is going to completely fall apart because sally because sally drivenly unhappy understandably so for the last eight years and having an an alcohol episode a hallucination that is becoming an alcoholic has been like the big thing for her coping with this takes their son that is basically would you say john's a hostage basically an unknowing hostage in the current situation that they're in in the most recent episode yes yeah, so but but I I would say his life is is as an unwilling but unknowing hostage. That's that's probably true as a hostage to Barry's redemption arc. Yeah, so I just think that Noho Hank is going to try to use this is going to use Sally and John as pawns at this point. Can I throw a scenario at you? Okay. This is I I can't take credit for this. This is one my coworker threw my way this morning. I think he I think he's onto something. With the way the last episode ended, and again, spoiler, skip ahead 30 seconds, if you don't want to hear it, I think Noho Hank is recruiting Barry to kill Fuchs. Yeah, because Hank just wants to get back to his normal. Yeah, like, and, and, I, and I think there's a very good chance that... And there, there's a good chance that everybody ends up dead with maybe I think Sally could kill off Barry in this finale. But I think the driving yeah. force of the episode is Noho Hank recruiting Barry one last time to kill Fuchs. And then maybe Barry kills Hank and then Sally kills Barry. I think that's a very realistic possibility. So I, I, as we're saying this. Gene is Gene's completely pulled out of the scenario here. Other than maybe a prison scene, I don't expect Gene to be in the finale all that much. I think they perfectly wrapped up his his character by tying him into crimes he had nothing to do with. I thought that was the perfect send off for him. Yeah, I I guess like, do you think that that movie is real that they were doing, or was this all set up as the thing? for him because that's what i'm wondering well, i think because it drove barry back to to california it, it it's in barry's life not just genes that the movie exists in some form or fashion in this universe yeah no that is yeah because that is the the action there is there a bit of you that thinks that final scene can be gene and his cell and they open it up and then there's barry 
Oh. Oh, that's good, too. That's, I don't, how are they going to tie all of this up? Like, that's what I don't get. Even, it's insane. Even going into this season, forget the twists and turns that have happened in every episode. Just going into this season, it's like, wait, what are, what are they going to do? Like, I don't understand. It's, it's again, it's the most rewarding experience I've ever had as a viewer. So what Case is alluding to, because we're just going to spoil cast this, I guess, uh, is that Barry is arrested and is put into federal jail. Like, they've got him. And they say that there's one last season left. And it's like, what are you going to do? And, and, and then four or five episodes in, uh, a miss called hit on Barry by Noho Hank and Cristobal. And, and, and he picks up a gun and walks out. And it's like, of course, Barry just walks out of prison. Of course he does. Yeah, and it, but it... it you know, it makes sense within the context of the show. It's, I mean, it's, you know, the the huge talking point during the press run in season one, and even a little bit in season two, was like, Bill Hader's playing a hitman, but it's not corny. It sounds corny, but it's not. And they've not only flown past that talking point, but now even when there's things like, oh, he just got out of prison, it makes sense within the context of the show. I don't bat an eye at it. Yeah, and... I, I just say the little bit of stunt casting of Fred Armisen. In that uh, scene five, was five stars, five star cameo. Five star. Uh, it's just the the show has hit on every beat I've ever wanted it to. I I have no doubt they will stick the landing. It's just a matter of you know of the million different directions they could go. What direction will they go? Yep. And speaking of directions and hitting every beat, not necessarily having that in Dragon Gate. Uh, we, we basically. Uh, killed 15 minutes because it's time to talk about Hokkaido making sense of this week in case it's was something that I was interested in seeing how this week would go without the auspices of King of Gate being around it and helping the cards and boy I hope they have good ideas for whatever King of Gate will be this year because this show felt pretty useless or this weekend felt pretty useless without King of Gate around the the only direction Dragon Gate went on this trio of shows was they dug their heads straight into the ground. Uh, let, let me ask you a series of yes or no questions. If you're okay with that, Mike. Yeah, sure thing. Let's do it. All right. This weekend in Hokkaido, did these shows help build anything for the upcoming Osaka show this weekend? I would have to say, given what all we have booked for Osaka this weekend, not really at all. Did these shows in Hokkaido help build anything towards the upcoming Cork and Hall doubleheader, by the way, two nothing nights? Did this series of shows this weekend in Hokkaido, did they help build anything towards the upcoming Cork and Hall doubleheader in June? The most that I could say, Case, is they've kept Susumu and Kanda looking strong going into that Twin Gate match. I, okay, sure. Final question. But, 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 oh, go ahead. But but I mean, but, but I mean that is solely because they picked up clean wins, whereas there was all kinds of shenanigans afoot throughout these cards. Very much so. Did this series of shows, six weeks out from the biggest show of the year, after last year, which was a box office failure, they need have a, to have a lot of help this year to put some people in that building, a few thousand people. Did these shows help build anything towards Kobe World? Unless they are doing something with Binkei and Kota Minora, which I do have kind of a pie in the sky, just 
1% chance shot idea coming out of this weekend, I would have to say absolutely not whatsoever. Maybe getting the triangle gates off gold class helped clean up what their plans are going to be for July, but there was nothing there, there was no feuds moving along, but case there's also, if we really want to look at it, the biggest feud that is currently going in the promotion they weren't going to have any sort of plot step with it because there's no reason for Ultimo Dragon to break out and do this here versus wherever they're going to set the Apuesta matchup. And that is a flaw in Dragon Gate right now, that your biggest feud, no matter how much you and I might be into it, and we spent all of last week praising it, talking about how great this is, such a great angle for Dragon Gate, good for Ultimo, who's involved in something that people are going to care about. Diamante versus Ultimo Dragon cannot be not only your biggest feud, right now, your only feud. We cannot be in that scenario six weeks out from Kobe World. Right, because it's not even like Shun was picking on Strong Machine J building off of the Reiwa Big Six angle at Corkin, right? Like, yeah, Strong Machine J suffered losses and matches with Shun Skywalker, but that wasn't at all within the matches. Yeah, look, if they book Shun versus Strong Machine J for World, which I think is a realistic possibility, okay, great. But they did the heavy lifting to at least get that started weeks before this. This weekend, yes, they wrestled one another. And, you know, you know, f- f- full disclosure, I loved the main event of the final show. I actually I went four stars on all of the main events, or at least four stars, three nothing nights, by the way. I, I went at least four stars on all of the main events on this weekend shows. But they were completely useless i mean to go back to the questions i asked you i would say it didn't do anything for osaka it didn't do anything for cork and outside of again maybe you could give them credit for susumu versus kanda and man unless they really pulled the wool over my eyes and this is something that will make sense six weeks from now i don't think they did anything to establish a kobe world main event a semi-main event for kobe world a match on kobe world i think these were three sets of shows that just existed and quite frankly they wasted our time and I, I, I do have a tangent I want to get you on in a second okay. about something you just said, but I, I that there is an aspect to this weekend that for Dragon Gate has to be talked about. This is a weekend of which there's fan club tours going up there. That this is a weekend. The reason why they run three shows is because this admit that's how they are able to make money doing the Hokkaido trip. Like it does not make it a pleasant experience for the viewers at home but this weekend along with okinawa frankly are the are are the stops that when they happen you just sit back and you go like well these aren't really for us and it sucks can i talk can i talk about the attendance real quick yep let's do that okay so they're running this building in hokkaido that is not an aesthetically pleasing building by any means it's the sapporo would you pronounce that two one stadium Ione is how I'm choosing. Okay, right. because it's, I, 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 because I it's assume Roman numerals, soccer. and I now see that I was incorrect. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I mean, Spazio is advertising. Spazio. So I'm choosing to say it that way. <laughs> That's how I'm choosing to interpret it. I'm probably way off here, but at least in my mind canon, it makes me think we're going to have an Italian connection uh, revival. That was something that this weekend could have very much Oh, my used. God. Absolutely. So anyways, the building in Hokkaido that they run, you've seen it by now. You know what it is. I like this building for the context of this discussion because they've been running this building since December of 2020. It's really only existed in the pandemic universe and now beyond. This is the first cheering shows we've gotten in Hokkaido since 2019, which is crazy to think. So what I did, because like Mike mentioned, 
they run three sets of shows here twice a year. I went ahead, I looked at the attendances, and I took the average attendance of the weekend from December of 2020 through now. Do you want to hear those attendance numbers? Sure. Okay, so December of 2020, this was highlighted by what was really the first weekend with Masquerade existing, even though they weren't officially Masquerade yet. Three shows, average attendance, 259 fans. They come back in May of 2021 with a, a King of Gate lineup that has uh, no Naruki Doi and no Ben K because they are out with COVID. But nevertheless, King of Gate 2021, they averaged 270 fans. A year later, or I'm sorry, six months later, uh, December of 2021, mainly a show with a big Triangle Gate match, Eita, Hyo, and Kaito Ishida versus Big Boss Shimizu, KZ, and UT that headlines the final night, and they jump up to an average of 325 fans. They return in May, another King of Gate lineup, this one uh, famously the KZ versus Coach Minora match to round out the weekend, and it goes up again. 341 fans in December of 2022. They run the three title matches to headline the weekend, the twin gate match on the second, the triangle gate match on the third and another twin gate match on the fourth. Those three shows average attendance, 387 fans. They continue to rise time after time after time. And then they come into this weekend, average attendance, 338 fans, not only a dip from December, but a slight dip by three fans, so we can call it flat if you want to, year over year. And I don't think that is a reflection of Madoka Kakuta. I don't think that's a reflection of guys not being over. I think it was a reflection of, on paper, this weekend wasted everybody's times. And the one argument you could make of the positive of this triple shot in Hokkaido was, well, they raised La Estrella's profile. And even then I would have to argue as to whether or not that's a positive or a negative. That was the big takeaway from these shows. And it shows in the attendance that these, this isn't like a stardom thing where they booked three title matches. And I was told that it was a show that actually didn't matter. These were shows that on paper looked bad in the box office proves that in the, uh, in the actual results. And I wonder with some of that is, so the big thing about these weekends, and it's been patently clear if you watch these shows over the last three years, is that these shows are about B.B. Hulk and KZ. They, they right? beat like, you like, over the head with it unmercilessly. And it's something that, you you know, B.B. Hulk, original Big Six. KZ, incredibly popular local hometown guy. It's hard to get to Hokkaido. You can't really do like one day on as a part of your Sendai loop. It doesn't work that way. You have to kind of do it that way. So you make a whole weekend out of that. That makes sense in 2020. That definitely makes sense beforehand, like 2019. 2023, it's the generation shift has happened. It, it, like, it, it is something that I am glad that they were able to do. BB Hulk versus KZ night one in front of hometown fans. But this might, I don't know if doing six shows a year in Sapporo as hometown things makes sense going forward. I, I am so over BB Hulk being pushed on this weekend specifically. And look, he wasn't bad. Like BB Hulk at the notebook twice this weekend. I can't knock him too much, but it was just, it was so in your face. It, it was like the WWE subtlety hammer when they, they don't have the ability to do anything subtle. It, 
it's that in Sapporo and Hokkaido with BB Hulk. It's just like he's not a main eventer anymore. And we, for some reason, this weekend and, and, and one weekend in December, he's the guy. You'd think it's the BB Hulk promotion. And I don't feel like for a promotion that acknowledges hometowns better than any other wrestling company in the world, I don't feel like they are this extreme in any other market. No, no, they're not. And it's something that – so I I went Notebook Night 2, main event. I thought that was an excellent Triangle Gate match. Uh, night 3, the three-way, really finished hot, got it over the line for me, four stars there. I was only three and a half on KZ versus BB Hulk Night 1. And y- y- you know what it was? You know what, what, what really knocked this match for me? What was that? Hulk can't do it. You know – it was he it, was case okay, so he was he was hands and knees like six minutes into the match. Yeah, look, I mean the same thing happened with uh, with Yamato versus Hulk for the the Dreamgate belt two years ago. I mean, I I I think the BB Hulk experiment in Gold Class has worked out far better than anybody thought because when he turned and that was in January, I said, okay, well they'll get mileage out of this through Champion Gate. They'll they'll get two months of hey, this is fun, new combination, new unit, fresh coat of paint. And then after that, I'm sure I'll be sick of it. And quite frankly, I'm still not sick of it. Hulk and Gold Class, really more so from an in-ring perspective than an aesthetics perspective, which I, I was expecting it to be the opposite. But Hulk in the ring works with these guys. I think he has value in multi-man matches. So I think even as a tag team wrestler, he can be fine. KZ versus BB Hulk, I awarded four stars to, and awarded is the term I'll use, it was effort. I, I did think they worked their asses off. I, I appreciated that. I marveled at some of the spots down the stretch and how hard they were hitting each other, how hard they were going. It was not a four-star match that I loved necessarily, but it was kind of one at the end where I went, well, yeah, you know what? I got to hand it to them. They, they worked really hard here. Yeah, and it, it's just something that for me, I just, and, and I said this during Yamato and BB Hulk case, it, it recognizing where he is in the their unwillingness to recognize his limitations is only exposing it and it's something that he's great in goal class as you said having him as a third or a tag team wrestler he is still great at that but it is something that when attendance is down as you laid out and as you look at how hulk is and how the company is going and I don't know if the company can justify too much doing these weekends like that anymore. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I can't offer an opinion there. I'm not really sure. To, at the very least, it's a market that still you have to go there because Casey is from there. It's a market that not a lot of, of other companies hit. And that is in favor of Dragon Gate, as we've seen with the influx of trainees coming from small towns all over the country. They come to Dragon Gate because Dragon Gate came to them. I still think it's valuable there. I am I am ready for a new direction on these shows, though, and whether that's in December, again, removing BB Hulk from the equation. If they go back to a Meg King of Gate next year, I would prefer Hulk not be in any of the main events because, look, we talked about it with, what was that, Gate of Destiny? Was that the show that he and Yamato headlined, or was it Dangerous Gate? Do you remember? It was Gate of Destiny because it was Menorah at Dangerous that's right. Gate. That's, so Gate of Destiny attendance was down disappointing number here 
again, this is a weekend that largely built around BB Hulk, and a lot of these shows have been. The only feather in his cap that he has is the final December show from last year, December 4th, 2022. They did 451 fans for Hulk and Kai versus KZ in Shimizu, and that is to date the highest attendance that has been put in this building, I think, for any company, because I know Drangate runs here, I know Gleet runs here, I don't know if anybody else does, but 451, to my knowledge, is the high mark and great but that also had kz and if you look if you compare the two the shows that have a hulk main event and the shows that have a kz main event kz outdraws this man 10 times out of 10 times so it's important to contextualize it as like you know hey maybe you're not into the new generation of dragon gate wrestlers that much but at the box office they are showing that bb hulk is not a draw and that uh, you know, his generation of wrestlers, I guess yeah, at this point it's him and Yamato. So it's really Hulk that takes the brunt of this blame, not doing it in the box office this weekend, for whatever reason, I think because these shows were just so pointless uh, as we continue to kind of hammer that point home, the presence of BB Hulk was just a lot. It was just kind of ever present with that case. And it, it so Gleet did, does run here. And that is something we wanted to touch on. Uh, they ran, I, I think it was a week before, two weeks before. It was uh, G Pro Volume Fifty Two, right? Volume Fifty Two, yes. It was the uh, the Sunday before, May Fourteenth. Yeah. So Gleet outdraws Dragon Gate here. And to be to be clear, Gleet did two hundred and seventy eight fans for that show, which was headlined by a G Rex title match, T Hawk versus uh, our boy Chek Shimatani, and that outdrew specifically. The first show of this weekend, Gleet did 278, Dragon Gate did 256 with Hulk versus KZ on top. Yeah, and th- th- there's a reason why they why Gleet goes to Sapporo, and it's something that has to be mentioned. It's T-Hawk's hometown. This used to be... The, the, the point I'm making here is that Sapporo used to be a very important stop that you could justify having three or four days in because you had all... Because you had a concentration of guys that it just makes sense you could do three hometown shows with. So, of course, Shima's going to do that. And you have him in his hometown doing his title defense. So, I would hope that it outdraws in that context the first night. Do you think, and I think I know where, where you stand on this, but I have to ask you anyways. Do you think that means anything that Gleet outdrew Drangate by 20-something fans in this building? Or is this just one of those where... Drangit goes, well, that sucks, and then they move on with their life. I think everyone else moves on who understands context. I'm with you. I don't don't look at it as a sign of the apocalypse or a sign that it even means anything. I just think it's worth noting. Yeah, if this was something where they walked into Kobe Sumble Hall and did Noah's supposed number, that's a discussion. Can we talk about that for a second? I don't believe for a fucking second that noted 831 fans in Kobe Sambo Hall. I, New Japan just claimed like 1,200, and even that I'm a yeah. little dubious of because during it at their peak, I, I don't believe was drawing 1,000 fans to that building. I don't believe for a second that Noah drew 800 fans anywhere. Yeah, like the, the, the one thing that like puts out, so when that New Japan number happened, I was asked by a friend, like, what do you know about this building? Because I know Dragon Gate does not approach that number. And I found the uh, booking website for Kobe Sambo Hall case, and it's an expandable room. But I just, Noah just like, I, I, I can't tell if that's noise or something. And with Noah's attendance, 
there's enough red flags there for me for that number to draw my interest yeah i don't see it on wrestle universe which is frustrating but if you look at the card i mean i you know main event is kano and soya versus kano and suwama for the the all japan tag belts i just i look nice little match i'd, I'd like to watch it do i do i think it drew 891 fans to a a building in a city that noah i i don't believe has historically ever done well in no i do not nope that's entirely fair uh i so do, do should we talk about my crazy tangent now or no later? give it to me now i had one big takeaway from this weekend that i'm this is my one percent one the like my honest opinion on what happens in Kobe world at this point, Yoshioka versus Kakuda makes as much sense as you've laid out as anything. My second thing, do you think they might six way it? Ugh, I don't want that. It, it looks like that you have now strong machine J and Shun. You have Shun probably. I mean, there's an argument made that they might want to run that back. Shun, okay, Kakuda, that was, three. Let me stop you there. That was my takeaway coming out of this weekend was, are you, are you sure we just don't do Shun versus Kakuta again? Cause that I would be okay with that. Yeah. Like that, that was a thing that I was noticing or I was feeling was like the, the big six idea was just like, okay, there you, you have your nice like stamp. Like not only is this the new generation, the new generation on top here, and you have people like Kota Minor, Benke, Shun Skywalker that have done Kobe Worlds before. So it's not as weak as it appears on paper to have Strong Machine J suddenly main event in Kobe World. But Shun Kakuda 3 just seems like that it might be a case of us just all overthinking it. And it's just like, yeah, no, just run it back. Dude, dude, run it back here. You could string this out for another six weeks. You know, I, I know they wrestled for 25 minutes at Dead or Alive and, and put forth an epic main event that is my Dragon Gate match of the year and, and one of the five best matches I've seen in 2023. But I watched the interactions they had on this weekend and I thought, they still have more of the tank. They, they could run this back and come up with plenty more ideas, plenty more counters, plenty more intrigue. I would be okay with that. I, I still think Kakuta versus Yoshioka is the most exciting option, but if we leave Corkin, and I, I, I emphasize Corkin because I am strongly of the belief, despite the fact that they're in Kobe Samba Hall the week after Corkin, I want to leave Tokyo knowing what the Kobe World Main Event is. I think that's really important that with the most eyeballs on your product, uh, and with the exception of a Big Five show, that you're signing the main event in that building if it just happens to be Shun or uh, yeah, Shun versus Kakuta again, oh, oh okay, I'm on board. Let, let's do let's do the uh, round three. Let's see what happens. Yeah, and it, it, it there seems to still be enough there that Shun can make a challenge, right? Like, I, I think so. I, I, you know, it, it look it takes one pinfall in a in a multi man match. Now, of course, Drangit has done themselves no favors. Looking at this Osaka card. And it's D-Courage versus Gold Class, which, you know, look, may maybe you will be the one with the crystal ball and it's something with Ben K and or Menorah. But I looked at that, that main event, D-Courage versus Menorah, Ben, uh, ben K and BB Hulk. And I was like, ugh, what, that, that doesn't do anybody any favors. Why is that the main event? It, it feels all so random right now. Yeah, and it, it does it do anything to stoke the uh, Menorah fear? fear is not the right word they just 
I mean, look, I, I left Cork and Hall. I talked about this in depth. I, I thought Minora was the least impressive of the six guys in the generation's tag. Whereas, you know, you have Kakuta as your top dog. You have Skywalker, who is still a 1A player in Dragon Gate. Strong Machine J has a story. He's climbing up the ranks. Yuki Yoshioka is in an incredibly interesting position where he's lost a bunch this year. He's no longer the top guy in his unit. There's reasons for him to be angry. There's reasons for him to uh, side-eye Madoka Kakuta. That's all there. You know, Ben K has cooled off from last year, and Coach Minora, again, sixth most interesting guy in a group of six people. I, I would really have to see a Herculean effort to get either of them into a position where I go, okay, they can headline Kobe World, and I feel good about it, both from just a story standpoint and, of course, from the box office as well. Yeah, I just, I look at this there, and we're talking about, okay, things are so muddied in that division that, other than Hulk, I look at that Osaka main event, and it's like, oh, you know, Ben Spears, Kakuta out of his shoes, pens him, and goes chicky-chicky, and there we go. But... By that same token, can somebody explain to me what happened with Big Boss Shimizu? Is he not challenging for the Dreamgate? Like, I don't, I don't get that. I thought certainly it would be Vibes versus D-Courage in Osaka. Shimizu shot put slams. If, if you want to make a Dragon Daya, great. If you want to make it Yoshioka, great. It could be Kakuta, great. And then they set up the uh, the main event for Cork and Hall there. But he's just in the semi-main against Zebrats. Did Big Boss Shimizu not make it known that he wants to challenge for the Dreamgate belt? He's not headlining Kobe World. Yeah, and it's something where maybe it's because Hokkaido three shows, nothing happened, uh, was that they knew what kind of weekend it is that they just decided that we revisit this in Osaka. Like, that's the only thing that, that makes sense to me about Shimizu's position right now or given the last few weeks like shimizu they, they, them figuring three shows doesn't matter let's move on and deal with it in a town that we haven't run in a couple but that's months. that's terrible logic because look at what shimizu again i'm not crazy right he ended cork and hall cutting a promo making it seem like he was challenging the entire generation and specifically just by wrestling logic he was going to wrestle for the Dreamgate belt that happened right Nope, nope, that definitely was the last thing that happened in a Dragon Gate ring in Tokyo. Okay, so first show, he's in a six-man with M3K, uh, and then it's him, Strong Machine J, and UT. And with all due respect to M3K, this happened last year. Junior got hurt in June. He got hurt right after his debut, and it just became three old guys doing things again. And holy shit, does this unit lose a lot when Mochizuki Jr. is not there. So you have a nothing six-man tag. You have the main event of the second show where, yes, yeah, Shimizu wins the Triangle Gate belts. Great. It's against Gold Class, so it doesn't really do anything in terms of him possibly challenging for the Dream Gate. And then you have this main event where he's in the ring on the final show with D-Courage. He's wrestling Kakuta. Their interactions are great. Shimizu, I thought, was taking that match more seriously than he normally does. He actually looked like the killer that he used to be. And then Strong Machine J is the one that's pinned. And I'm, I'm just... I'm not sure where we go from here. I'm not sure what happens to Rio Saito from May through July that makes him lose all drive and focus, but we're now entering a position where we were in last year. Granted, we don't have the albatross that was Coach Minora hanging over our heads yet, but we're still in this position where we're six weeks away from the biggest show of the year, and we're doing shows just to have shows. And 
that is an issue of not having King of Gate here. Because of scheduling and, and all of this, that if you have King of Gate here, you're building ultimately to, more often than not, the person who's going to be in the main event across from the Dreamgate champion. And you don't have that. And But, but, but can't you did... do... Can't one of these shows... I guess it would be the first show. Instead of doing a, a pointless Hulk versus KZ match, which did not draw, so you can't even say, well, it's the hometown, because it didn't mean anything to the hometown. Can you not do... You know, KZ, Shimizu, and Utique at the hometown guy in the main event, get Shimizu in the main event, and do them versus D-Courage? Can we not at least build to something? Again, I ask you, what did this weekend build to? It was a showcase for La Stray, and he's going back to Mexico. It really makes us wonder. It it, it really does. Uh, Case, I actually have someone at the door right now. Uh, do you mind if uh, I, I'll leave it recording? Yeah, I'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by the BetStamp app, which is helping thousands of people win at sports betting for free. The same way travelers use Google Flights or Expedia to find the best prices, bettors can now use BetStamp to do the same. When you place a bet, the odds given by a sportsbook will determine how much you can possibly win. Even when betting on the same outcome, different sportsbooks will offer varying payouts, and these differences can be huge. Thankfully, BetStamp allows you to easily line shop for the most profitable odds across all sports books. You can click on any matchup and instantly see all the different odds for game lines, player props, and even future bets. Line shopping is the simplest way to find an edge in sports betting and maximize your chances of winning long-term. On average, BetStamp users win an extra $1,000 yearly just by line shopping. You can find the BetStamp app on Apple iOS Store, Google Play Store, or through your browser at betstamp.app. To access all these benefits, sign up by using promo code VOW and start your journey to successful sports betting today. If you forget to use the code upon sign up, you can always enter our code in your BetStamp account settings afterwards. Check it out. Yeah, okay, sorry about that. Katsuo came by. By the way, Katsuo... Uh, I know he was just in Hakudate because the show after the Hokkaido shows that didn't draw all that well, 356 fans in, in uh, Hokkaido, uh, uh, Hakudate Arena, super no vacancy. Yeah, and wouldn't you know it, Katsuo, of course, uh, DG uh, Trueborn, he was fourth out of the dojo after Tozawa, but before Yamato. It is from Hakadate, and he wrestles in that area. And they put him on the YouTube case, and my God, did that guy get an ovation coming in? Very much so. It, it has become a fun yearly tradition over the last two years of seeing him pop up on one random YouTube show and then going away for another year. It, it, it's pretty much like the perfect uh, Katsuo Yuki Ono exposure, I would say. Like, we got a lot of him. We just need a little bit now every every year to just to keep our immunities up. i certainly don't need more of him this is the perfect amount yeah no it, it they could still go up to hokkaido but the thing is, is that they can only do now two shows in sapporo and one with hakadate and maybe maybe if he if katsu you know uh he used to be a bit of a troublemaker if things go well with him he can wrestle in sapporo I will say, speaking of YouTube real quick, before we get back to the shows that were on the Dragon Gate Network, the main event upload from the show on May 23rd was Diamante, Shun, and Hyo versus Kakuta, Daya, and Yamato. Very, very good match. 
I'm glad that they're willing to throw Yamato in with the uh, decourage guys now. He seemed like a part of the unit. You know, he certainly didn't outshine them by any means. He fit in. They had good chemistry. I really enjoyed that match. I, I, I think uh, it might be a generous four stars, but I'm going to give it four stars. Hey, given the week that they had in Hokkaido, we give them what, what they deserve. And, you know, maybe, you know, something on the back end of that tour, you know, finishing out in Awate that they d deserve a little bit of credit at this. Uh, we, we talked about the Triangle Gate uh, match a little bit on night one. Of course, Natural Vibes, new champions, KZ, Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kamei. That was not the only title match. Uh, night two. Real, 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 real the quick. Much uh on the Triangle Gate stuff. Sorry to cut you off there, but just to be clear, oh, no um, that one, that was night two, uh, and night three was the Brave Gate stuff, but Natural Vibes wins. It's KZ, Jackie, and Shimizu, and a match you said you went four stars on? Yeah, I JFK and Benke have a little thing going this yes. weekend. Like, you have, you, we grasp at straws to find things that we really enjoy here. I This was the first match of the weekend that felt like a legit like big match that they did smart work with KZ taking the heatings of JFK. I mean, working the, uh, the hometown, I know Sapporo isn't a Betsu, but it's right next to it, but it really came down to this JFK and Binke chemistry. I would love to see a special singles match, not, not on a big five show, just put on a cork and make it the cork and singles match between these two guys, because between this and the, through a match on night three, I felt like that those two really on a weekend where we were, we are looking for anything. We had Ben K and Jackie funky Kame, and I was really astounded by the chemistry they showed. So you hit on something that is exactly what I want to talk about, which is the chemistry between Jackie and Ben and this triangle gate match in watching Jackie funky Kame continue to rise to the occasion. It really got me thinking about, who are the who are the best big match wrestlers in Dragon Gate? And I came up with a top five list. I'm going to give you my list so it gives you time to think about your list. But it really struck me watching Kamei that, hey, this is a guy over and over again. When he's put in a position that matters, yes, he's good in the Corican openers. Yes, he's, you know... Uh, a rock steady guy in a trio. He can always be, you know, a, a guiding hand in a match that needs a little bit of help. He's at that point in his career, three years into his career. But big match Kamei is something that I don't think you and I have spent a lot of time talking about, or at the very least branding in our own little universe. Not a lot of talk about big match Kamei, but it's a thing that exists and it's a thing that needs to be discussed. So my top five big match wrestlers in Dragon Gate I'll go one through five because I think five might be my hot take here. Number one, and this is if I need this is if I need a great match on a Dragon Gate show. I'm turning to Madoka Kakuta number one, Shun Skywalker number two, Jackie Funky Kame number three, KZ number four, and my number five wrestler. If I need a great match, turn this show around, put something in the notebook kind of match. I think I'm turning to Kai as my fifth wrestler. I like that. I like that. So I think currently my number one big match wrestler in Dragon Gate is Shun Skywalker. Just if you look at the last four years, he has been the person that if we really wanted to count up the COVID era, he's going to be the one that has the most four and a half or better. Uh, after that, I was already thinking Kamei, but when you look at 
specifically the 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 places that Kamei has shown, it's whenever there's been a title match. Yes. It's whenever he he has been a focus. The feud he had with SB Kento in 2021. The still, I feel like we that people forget he had a five star match at Kobe. He was my match of the year. My match year. of the year last year. I didn't have to think twice about it. From the second that match was over, I knew that was going to be the best thing I saw all year. And when when you really like start thinking about that, I mean, other people that I would consider up there, I would normally consider Masaki Mochizuki up there. He would probably be my five because of the M2K Albatross. Now, like I know that if it, if I see Susumu and Konda and no Junior around. You don't know what you're going to get. You can't count on that anymore. So, Skywalker, Kamei, Kakuta. And you know who quietly had it, what I thought was the sleeper match of the weekend and I almost went notebook on? Who's okay. this? Don Fuji. Interesting. Be- I, you know, because I, okay, all right, explain. Don Fuji, he doesn't get the big profiles much anymore. I mean, that anniversary match, I think we could all agree, unless they're going to go right back to Junior versus Fuji when Junior is back, that's probably going to be the the most highlight and shine Don Fuji gets all year. But when you look down the card at someone who is not getting the high profile, but is making the best out of a match one, a match two, a match against the rookies, a Mochi Fuji tag, uh, work with Yamato. It's Don Fuji. I, it's interesting. You know, I, I found uh, off-putting is not the right word, but this was not to me the showcase weekend for Fuji merely just because he was in the ring with Punch Tamanaga twice, and Tamanaga was just. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, Worthless. I don't get it. You know, um, you want to book him in Kobe, cool. You want to book him in, in you know, the Arakan tag on Corkin sure you know there, there's guys that are hurt you need to fill the card I, there's got to be something better to do on these shows uh, that was you know uh, a five minute match with kai a 10 minute match with uh with fuji against yamato and mochizuki in a five minute match against hyo and kai on the opening night it's just uh, 20 minutes of punch tamanaga spread across three shows is far too much punch tamanaga and the bigger thing isn't the ring time case it's the fact that he took a seat that could have been going to Daiki Yanagiuchi or someone else. Yeah, let me uh, let me look at that uh, uh, that show that followed on the twenty third from Awate. No, no, this was from uh, uh, where's Catswell from? Oh, Hakodate. Yeah, Hakodate. Um, okay, they used they used the same crew there. I was gonna say if if Daiki showed up on that show and was on the Akaido weekend, I was gonna be pretty pissed. But even on the the Awate show. Daiki's on there. So I, I I just I don't get that at all. Yeah, and it's it's something where like I acknowledge that as a non-native fan, there's probably some sort of context that I that, that culturally that that maybe doesn't maybe aids to Punchamanaga's fandom. But when it like in, in a scenario like this, no one was going to buy a single ticket, and I'm willing to like if you if somehow this goes to people in Sapporo who understand English and are a Dragon Gate fan and bought a ticket to punch Tomonaga, I will pay you back your ticket because I am that certain that no one there paid a ticket to see Punch Tomonaga. I, I, I think, you, I think you'll say, be able to keep your money. 
Yeah, and that's not to say that Daiki Yanagiuchi would have sold tickets. There's no reason to believe that. But Punch Omanaga is Punch Omanaga. He's been a known quantity since 2011. And when you have people on this roster, and I know that there has been injuries with the future kids and the rookies that have made things a little bit more difficult with this, but Kaito Nagano. Kaito Nagano. Why not have Kaito Nagano in this? Kaito Nagano would have gotten more out of those 20 minutes of ring time being there than not. That's the way I look at this case, that these were 20 minutes that could have gone to Kaito Nagano. Oh, completely. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a bummer. So so your list is Shun, Kamei, Kakuta, Fuji, and who's number five? Uh, number five, I, and at number, I thought that Fuji was five for me. Who, give me your list again. It was, uh, I'm trying to think right now. I'm blanking on it. It, it was uh, Shun, Kamei, Kakuta, Fuji. Oh, you said Mochizuki. Mochizuki, Fuji. Yeah, Mochizuki, Fuji. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, interesting. All right, well, uh, I would like for people on the Discord to uh, let us know their top five. Mike, what are your thoughts on La Estrella, his big weekend? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club 
And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys, reach in my pocket, or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
the person who inhabits La Estrella's mask, I don't want to belabor the point from last week, uh, obviously very talented. That this ma- this Bravegate match was as good as it was because it was not doing La Estrella things. But I still, it's... It, it, this might be like one of the biggest misses character wrestler-wise in Dragon System in the last decade. I just... It's just very clear that uh, this wrestler and this gimmick does not work, and they're going to keep on trying. It's really hard watching a Estrella team with Minorita and seeing Minorita just do everything better than Estrella. That that match on the second yeah. show was a bad look. That Cancun tornado that Minorita did to well, the floor landed awesome. on its feet. It's, I mean, that, that, you know, yeah. ACH had a really good version of that dive, but Minorita might, it, it's slightly different, but it's the same idea in spirit and he might do it better. Yeah, so it, it, I was three and a half on the match. It was not a bad match. It was... It, and to be clear, because of the style they worked, this was not a Jason Lee carry job because there was a lot of grounded stuff with Minorita and they, not Minorita, Estrella, Estrella. And as we've seen in the weeks since he's been back, that's the stuff he's actually really good at. His like his clutch pin that he did in, uh, did, did it before this was solid. The The way that he got gets to the S stretch looks awesome. Why is he still flying at all? So... Watching Estrella matches right now is kind of fascinating because they haven't fully abandoned the original idea of the gimmick, which is that he's this crazy high flyer, but he clearly wants to introduce more grappling into his arsenal. So what you get with a La Estrella match now is you get a a high flying start and then you get this drastic shift into grappling and it's not seamless. It's like, okay, that was chapter one. This is chapter two, and then you have you know, the third chapter, this closing stretch, which in the case of the Jason Lee match, I, I, I lean a little bit more towards, eh, it's a Jason Lee carry job. I, I don't think Estrella is looking that clean, that smooth in the ring with any other wrestler, uh, with, with rare exception. I think that match looked so good and got so good by the end of it because of Jason. But nevertheless, it's like this weird two-faced character that Estrella has now where there's the old version of him that seems to not be a success and then this new version of him that he's experimenting with and seamless is is the word that comes to mind it's not seamless it, it is kind of jarring to watch him wrestle and try things out in the ring and that's not to say that i'm mad that this has happened no this I was think- this was a productive weekend just because you always have to take stock of what you have Right, yeah, you're yeah. Ticks up of what you have. They've done this before. Like Tazawa came back for a Kobe World in the middle of his excursion to team with Nosawa Rongai. It's just kind of the things that happen here. I do like watching watching wrestlers figure themselves out. That 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 has been a joy. But it's but but it's frustrating because we know that more likely than not, he's just doing this of his own volition. There's not going to be a direction of this because we know that this is an Ultimo character and. Unless, unless things really go down south, they're not going to give up with it. So, it's still doing uh, uh, flying spaceman drops that look okay, doing the stuck a splash that's fine, and then doing those in matches where Minorita does incredible Cancun tornado variants. And you you're set here watching this, and you go, wait, which one of these is supposed to be the high flying? Yes. Yep, completely. You know, I I think. 
for for as much bad stuff was that, that was on this weekend of shows, I think it's worth sitting down and watching Jason versus Estrella because you can see. Okay, this is what the La Estrella character could be, and and maybe this is the peak. Maybe there's a better version out there, but you know, I don't, I don't think if this was Estrella versus UT, somebody we both like and respect. I don't think the match is coming together the way it did. It's it's not happening with a Hyo. It's not happening with a Minarita. It's not happening with a Daya. I think Estrella, and this is good, they they were showcasing their strengths and hiding their weaknesses. I think Estrella was put in a position to succeed wrestling Jason. By the end of it, the match I thought was very good. Like I said, it's worth people watching, but you talk about wrestlers, you know, how exciting it is to watch them find themselves. And when it's Yoshiki Kato, who's still down with an eye injury, and it's Kaito Nagano, who was MIA here, even when it's Ryofuda, who we've seen have immense potential, even if his body is his biggest opponent, his greatest uh, adversary, Estrella, you just kind of go, oh, is that it? Is that all Estrella's got? Because that, that felt like the peak, and that was, you know, that was good, but it, it wasn't up to the heights of a normal Dragon Gate wrestler. Yeah, and it, it, it it's something that I just, it's hard for me to, like, be indignant. It's hard to me to go, like, well, how are you mismanaging this? Because it's just, I know that the, the, that we watched him figure things out that ultimately, unless cooler minds prevail and they go, like, hey, he can keep the mask and you say, he can still be uh estrella like but l- let's drop we've already dropped the alien aspect we've already kind of made it clear that like yeah that was a cute gag here but like let's let him be la estrella the wrestler unless they like really just decide to p- perhaps unmask him perhaps go like all right i'm going to be this there's the, there's not really at least for me like emotional like there's no reason for me to get emotionally invested whatsoever because i know that that this is a scenario that's not worth investing in so is there a realistic scenario in which Australia goes back to mexico which is by our understanding where he's gonna go he goes back to mexico and the next time he's in japan that character is gone and, and he's debuting as a, just another japanese wrestler on the dragon gate roster I would be really tempted to do that. I, I, look, I would certainly, if I was, if I was in the room, I'd be kicking the tires on. Are we sure this isn't the best outcome? Are Are we sure he can't come back with Takuma Nishikawa and, and almost replay the Ben Minorita success story, the Big and Little, the Robin Big, do that, but with Nishikawa and Estrella unmasked just as another wrestler? Yeah. No. I mean, like the there's a lot of justification there i mean you you could even like play this off like how ut you can do this like kind of as like an homage to ut that's oh no he left in the middle of the night and then we stopped hearing results from australia we never heard back from he him, went to space look, uh, yeah yeah he went space but look takuma nishikawa is back and he found a friend it just seems there like it's never going to get better than this jason lee match and that's not to say that he's a bad wrestler by any means but we, no, we, look. he shows a lot of talent in the in the things that he's trying out. Like that's the sad thing about this case is he actually might be pretty good at Yave. This was a weekend where again the most successful part of this weekend was they spent three shows building up La Estrella to a title match with Jason Lee, 
where I thought the crowd was fairly into it and the match was very good and Estrella showed a certain level of fire and I just feel like this is the best it's going to get. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get another like dead or alive from last year at the, or, or two years ago at the very least. No, it's uh, it, it's a it's a really puzzling character, and, and you know the thing that I've always I tried to to emphasize to people because we talked about this with the class of 2016, where there was you know Shun and Ben and Yoshioka. And all of a sudden, there was this uh, Katsumi Takashima kid, and there was Hyo, and we're like, oh my god, they have five rookies. This is incredible. And as we've gone through this this next crop of guys, starting with SB Kento and Kamei, into the future classes, you know, Riki Hashi, gone. Shoya Sato, gone. Who was the kid that debuted alongside Kikuta? Sora Fuchikawa, gone. We have all of these question marks surrounding some of these younger guys and where they're going to end up in Estrella is somehow perhaps the weirdest of that group. Like, Ricky Hashi was showing great potential. I loved the guy as a wrestler. I wanted to see where he was going to go. And he said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And that somehow makes more sense than the entire career of La Estrella. Yeah, I'm just wondering what it is about the person behind the mask that ultimately decided, nope, you got to be this. This is your character. I've chosen it. It's you. It's uh, it's not the way I would have drawn things up. No, no, that is for sure. I, I I'm looking at my notes for uh this weekend that we had case in Hokkaido, and I'm kind of left with a, a little bit of not nostalgia for this, but I I come away from this weekend in a lot of ways thinking about when Hokkaido felt like something. Like, this was the place where people figure themselves out. And it's kind of depressing the, like, to think that maybe La Australia has figured himself out, but he's not going to be able to pursue that. Well, I don't want to thrash on the, on the tour as a concept, because prior to this weekend, this has been a set of shows that I look forward to because they deliver. I always point to the first time they ran this building, that three shows in December of 2020... Some of my favorite spot shows Drangate has ever run. This is a building that, despite how ugly it might look, has been able to produce some magic over the years. Normally, the shows just have a greater purpose. And again, you know, unfortunately, the purpose this weekend was La Estrella. Yeah, and I think I'm ready to put a bow on last weekend case. Uh, we, we had an interesting YouTube upload, not in a normal I, I, I'm going to cut you off not... again. I want to talk about one more thing. I do deeply apologize. Okay. I am so sorry. No worries. What's up? The main event of night three was awesome. I want to talk about it. Yep. No, let's talk about this three-way match. It was D Courage versus Gold Class versus uh, Z Bratz. Oh, yeah. It was, no, it was Natural Vibes versus D Courage versus uh, Z Bratz, KZ, Shimizu, Strong Machine J, D Courage, the Kakuda, Yoshioka, and Daya. Shun, Diamante, and Hyo, it was Kakuda finishing off Strong Machine J with a Lariat after one of the like stronger like House of Fire fishing stretches I can remember in recent memory. Off the top of your head, unless it's in front of you, then just tell me, but do you know how long this match went? Uh, off the top of my head, I think it went 12 minutes. Okay, yeah, it went 1253. I'm shocked by that. I thought this match was longer, and I mean that in a, in a, in a complimentary way. Because it felt like a really big main event by the time things were all over. 
Yeah, it really did the build really kind of remarkable. And for a match that has Zebrats where there was a lot of just general just sleaze Zebrats style too, wrestling. Too like there was much. The, the, there was at one point in the weekend where in four straight matches there were three crowd brawls. Or, or across four matches there were three crowd brawls. Like the, it just became kind of just ever present. I like the fact that like they got that brawl out out of the way, and then it shifted into the next gear, and it's really like Strong Machine J is the person I want to talk about. Here. Go for it, Strong Machine. Strong Machine J's booking since Dead or Alive, where he is the that they've made it very clear that like the Shun Skywalker does not believe he is on their level and should not be a part of the Big Six. He is dropping all the falls here, and he's still firing up. And it's something that I think is going to be really interesting to see if they are going in that Shun, uh, the Shun SMJ route, because the, the, that if we're really trying to pan for gold in this weekend, they've continued Strong Machine J's uh, status as the sixth. And I thought they, they did that in a real fascinating manner in this main event where it he had his moments and he was going for like big bobs, but it, it eventually Kakuda just rolled him over in the closing stretch. Yeah, I I find Strong Machine J to be incredibly interesting on a show in show out basis because he is like I like I said earlier when I was breaking down sort of where the big six are and their motivations and my interest levels towards them. Strong Machine J, no matter what match he's in, right now he's in a position where he's trying to prove himself. And, and it's, you know, both a storyline thing and even, you know, you look at people in our Discord that when the big six, this new big six were announced, they went, you know, Strong Machine J, are you sure he's on their level? That That is seeped into uh, real life ramifications of the promotion. And he's wrestling like he's trying to prove himself. And it's great. He's He's entering every match with a higher level of intensity than most. And it's really paying off. Yeah, and it was something where I felt like with him and Kakuda in that stretch that however they're going to get to Kobe World, if it's going to be if it's going to be Kakuta Shun 3s, if it's going to be a big 6 match or not, they have I feel like between these two, I feel like Strong Machine J has maybe his best chemistry within the big 6 with Kakuda and I I know that he already had his first challenge. I would love to see what a longer singles match between these two could be you know i cut you off earlier and you were talking about that can you sort of walk me through your six-way match idea is it a cage match or is it just like a kind you know not to say a straight six-way but a straight six-way i think it's it is something that i don't think you can heat up in six weeks enough unless we get some real mass gripping you know like unless like strong machine J everyone is just like going after that and then and then in response everyone's going after shun i just uh, you have to have the justification they are now operating with the feud has to present itself i don't think you can get the new big six there in six i feel weeks. really forced I, I think it would do them more harm than good right so straight six way i think you have the intermingling and it kind of just plays off of all the various uh just just like Kakuda and Yoshioka like Yoshioka does not seem super happy about the state of things and how things have how 2023 has gone for him Shun against Strong Machine J that has been a vociferous kind of thing that has been like the one plot point coming out of the big six so far you have Benkei and Shun 
how the way that they're linked, all the Mochizuki Dojo guys, you have enough intermingling there. And the fact that this is the big tentpole for the new era is going to be the first Kobe world after they declare this era. And you should put your six guys up front. I mean, you have enough people there that have main evented Kobe world that it's not a completely foreign and scary and untested main event. Yes, you are putting a six-way in your biggest match of the year, but we've spent the last three weeks, Case, trying to figure out this main event, and unless a lot of sponge money is going into uh, New Japan's pocket, this is the one that makes the most sense. God, if only there was, were three shows that could make all of this much clearer. What a fucking waste of time. Let me say... In regards, uh, pivoting here just a little bit uh, to Shun Skywalker again, you know, I have been advocating if Mochizuki Jr. is healthy, doing Jr. and Father Mochi versus Kano and Kondo for the Twin Gate belts at World, and given that M3K is wrestling for the belts at Cork, and I still think that's on the table, if for some reason it's not, I know it's technically a heel versus heel matchup, but I watched Shun and Diamante in this match, and their chemistry as a tag team is... It's so unbelievable, and it's a shame for as good as they were that Shun and Kai were in Ray De Parejas this year because we need a month of heavy-hitting, focused Shun and Diamante teaming with one another because they they consistently blow me away. And we didn't really get the big title run. We got essentially two months. Look, they, they had a spot in this match where Diamante, I went to a spot that's happened in every wrestling match ever. You know, Dragon Daya charges at Diamante. Diamante flips him up over his back, and Dragon Daya lands on the apron. And Shun Skywalker comes off the ropes with such velocity and big boots Daya in the face in a second to a point where there's a, you can fully suspend your disbelief because Daya is shielded by Diamante, and the second Diamante moves out of the way, he is getting kicked in the face by Shun Skywalker. Their chemistry blew me away. I also have to mention the Madoka Kakuta hot tag, all capital letters there. That is becoming a thrill to watch in every match that he's in. This one capped off by him back body dropping KZ over the top rope, and on to the other seven guys. I have to mention that spot. It was uh, quite thrilling. And it was something with that hot tag that it's become like death and taxes. When As soon as Kakuta gets that tag, we're like, okay, we know how this is going to go here. And it was such an amazing, because it was right from that hot tag into the closing stretch with Strong Machine J. And it was something that that back body drop was insane. It, it was insane it, it was because I didn't I like, see it coming. Oh, not at all. Not not at all. It's like, oh, he's going over the top rope or he's going to get a shotgun, like the slingshot headbutt. Like, I, I thought it was going to be one of those things. It was going to be it's like, nope, uh, KZ is going to be getting vaulted into the air onto six other people. Really good stuff. I went four and a, four and a quarter with this main event. I was just under the assumption it was elimination rules. So when Strong Machine J got pinned, I was rubbing my hands together like, all right, Zebrats versus D-Courage. Here we go. Something's going to happen. And in the perfect way to cap off a Kaido, the one time I wanted more wrestling, the match ended. And I was just like, all right, well, it's, you know, four and a quarter. And had it gone another five minutes or so, I'm sure I would have gone even higher on it. It was really, really good wrestling. I, I would say, look, th- this weekend is easy. 
even though I gave Hulk versus KZ four stars, it was a begrudging four stars. I did not want to give it four stars. I would skip all of night one. I'd watch the main event of night two, which is the Triangle Gate match. And then I'd watch Jason and Estrella and the main event from night three and then put these shows in the rear view. Yeah. Uh, the only other stuff I would add that if you're already on, you already have it pulled up. Uh, Strong Machine J versus Diamante was a fun little number. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, the Then uh, I really liked Mochi Fuji versus Yama Hulk. Like this is the right use of, of BB Hulk in 2023 in his hometown. Put him in there with uh, Mochi Fuji. But the rest of that, I, I, I would completely co-sign. Strong Machine J versus Diamante was like a really good TV match. Uh, I, I enjoyed that for yeah. what it was. I, I, the Mochi Fuji match did not connect with me the way that it did for you. But I, I was I was down on just the, the entire idea of this weekend. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I guess the thing that got me with this one is that Hulk does have, like, a couple just bumps he should not be taking in this match. That Like, you would think that he would stop, like, twisting when he's doing flip <laughs> yeah, bumps in 2023. That's fair. <laughs> if I was someone who had the neck issues that he has had through his career, I the, the, that's the thing I'm, I'm cutting out is you're not having me twist in air. It, it's Look, it's why at the end of the KZ match I went... <sighs> All right, put it in the notebook. He works really hard still, hard to a fault almost. But he, BB Hawk, when he when he is in a featured match, he still gives it his all, and and sometimes it's very impressive. Four oh nights, by the way, they just scored again. Yeah, God, man. Uh, yeah, I, I I almost pointed attention and I was like, oh, this is when I turn off the game, and I was like, you know what? I would just be putting on Galit. So uh, yeah, the, the remote is too on. far away from me. I like to turn on the Celtics Heat game, but. Uh, I'm stuck with this until we're we're done recording. So let's talk about uh, some YouTube uploads. Yeah, so it was not on YouTube, which had Hakadate and Awate that we've talked about before this, but the Gaura channel. The, it, it is a weird channel to find. It, it's something that as soon as you find this channel, just immediately subscribe to it so you don't have to deal with this again because last year they put up all the title matches from Kobe World. This year... They put up a special match from 2005, didn't they, Case? They did. This is one of the Pantheon-level Dreamgate matches, one of those matches that, you know, if Mike and I were going to burn you a DVD set of Dragon Gate 101, these are the matches you need to see if you're going to call yourself a fan. Masaki Mochizuki versus Ryo Saito from 2005 would certainly be on that list. And it it is something that Jay has a little bit of an explainer about it, but... We're talking about 2005, which is after a very weird first fall, you lose a lot of people as the calendar year. You have people that were also on the way out at this time. And Rio Saito, for about a 20-month period, felt like that he took the bull by the horns and he felt like he was going to be the next thing. And it really kind of started a little bit before this Dreamgate match, but it was something that this was the match like case as you wrote about with Ray de Parejas 2003 and the backslide and Kiki Horiguchi. This was that for Rio Saito. Completely. You know, if you ever watch Dragon Gate's 2005 TV in order, which, you know, I wish they had an over the top streaming service that would provide such a thing, but they don't. If you ever watch 2005 Dragon Gate in order, the first show of the year, which is one of my favorite Dragon Gate shows ever, Rio Saito finally beats his arch nemesis, Milano Collection AT, in the main event. Thrilling match. And the rest of the year, 
the main event focus is Ryo Saito proving himself to be on the level of a Shima or a Mochizuki or a Magnitude Kishiwada, whoever it is. It's, it's very similar to Strong Machine J's current story. And even though he loses this match to Mochizuki, he ends up pinning Shima in a singles match over the summer that when he wins, it feels like a monstrous deal. Uh, he, of course, becomes Dreamgate champion uh, early 2006. It all kind of culminates there. But Saito versus Mochizuki, it's, you know, look, it's another great Masaki Mochizuki match. Just add it to the list. But it really... It's a special match given the time and place, but you can still parachute in and go, God, this was great. And this YouTube upload, which we'll throw in the uh, the description of the show here, HD crystal clear footage, which the version I had of this previously was certainly not. And this match is, is full. It's not clipped. And I, I think we only lost, you know, two or three minutes maybe in the airing that aired on Gaiora in 2005, but it's still nice to have this uncut and in full. Yeah, it's one of the things about Dragon Gate Kaora, the Dragon Gate Network, and all that. It's so frustrating for me is case. Remember when the uh, Darkness Dragon and Dark and Dragon Kid Apuesis match got posted up yeah. there? And when it did, it was something that I think that whatever version of Absolutamente that I had and here's the the insane thing about me case one of the many insane things about me but I'll, I'll i'll give you this one this week i think i have four different versions of the mask versus mask match and they are all each time i try to I, I try to find a new place that that had it for the longest time i was trying to find one that was a better resolution i, I was hoping one that was not as deep in the generations of the vhs rips or tape there and then they go and they post crystal clear video when they upload this here and i i think jay talked about this on air on an episode when i asked him about this but they have all the masters and gayora is responsible with all the stuff so it's it, it it's not that this is an hd thing even though there's a chance that they had hd cameras in 2005 hd is Japan had HD cameras in the 90s, but uh, it, but the thing is that this is from the original master, so there's no degradation, there's no generational artifacting. It is crystal clear. It is just as if, case you were able to get the right cable to plug it straight in, playing it right from the tape. It is some of the stuff that I wish other promotions was it would took the care to care about their history this way. Well, Gaora as the uh, broadcaster of Torimon and then Dragon Gate, they have the entire library and they took care of it. It's just piecemealing us this stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Saito versus Mochizuki is now on YouTube, and as of uh, the time everybody's listening to this, the debut of BB Hulk, uh, Hulk versus Susumu from again early 2005. That match was heavily clipped when it was air when it aired on TV in 2005. It looks like we were going to get the full version of that as well, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, I wonder if they're going to have the whole like intro with Magnum and everything on that. It, it would be nice. I, I would like to see that. Yep. Uh, Case, we spent a lot of time dealing with some unhappy past Dragon Gate. Are you ready to look for the future to close out this week? Yeah, real quick. Can you hear that dog barking in the background? No, Okay, not I'm going to lose my fucking mind when we're done here, because this dog does not live in my apartment building. I think it lives like a block away from me and I hear it every night now and it's going nuts tonight. Anyways, let's go through this Osaka show.
Man, first I deal with the the dog next door in my Airbnb. Now you have this one. This, this uh, thing so, has a oh. vicious like it would it would eat a child. Bark to it, and I I have I have oh. such a low tolerance for dogs. Anyways, the only one I've ever liked is is my girlfriend's current dog, and and that dog is a sweetheart. She does nothing wrong, but. And look, every, you know me. Every other dog can kick rocks. It, it, Pudge being hey. Pudge being the exception. Uh, P- Pudge and Freckles, the only two good dogs I've ever met. I, I say that because uh, Rich Krejci's dogs hate me. Uh, we do not get along whenever I'm at Rich's place, so I, I can't even throw those guys in the mix. But uh, this this is some bullshit that I'm dealing with now. I'm glad it's not coming through on Mike uh, as we as we run out the episode with an Osaka preview here. That let's hear it for the the low power. Uh, close-upness of sure microphones for that. Uh, So they're in Osaka on the 28th. It will be a 6 p.m. local time. Start uh, 5 a.m. on the east, 2 a.m. on the west, 9 Greenwich Mean Time, Dragon Gate Network. And this is an interesting card. Uh, Having a debut really adds a lot to it. Uh, Just going down the card, Opener, Natural Vibes versus Unaffiliated, KZ, Jason Lee, Jackie Funky Kamei versus Don Fuji, Ginky Horiguchi, and Kagatora. Match two, Takashi Yoshida and Problem Dragon versus Kai and Ishin. Match three, Ryoya Tanaka's debut match, Yamato versus Ryoya Tanaka. Match four, M2K, the original members of M3K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda go up against this fascinating almost Shenin 2k team of dragon kid naruki toy but you also have shuji kondo there as well the aforementioned big boss shimizu and strong machine j versus shun monte is the semi main event and the main event is d courage versus gold class with minorita i told everybody in november after the airing of the this is dragon gate documentary that aired on gaiora which is now on the dragon gate network pay attention to this Ryoya Tanaka kid because it's a it's an hour long broadcast that highlights Dragon Kid, Coach Minora, Yamato, Yuki Yoshioka, you know the stars of Dragon Gate, and they cut out a little five minute section for Tanaka. He's the only graduate from the class of 2023. Is the only debut they'll have this year. He's strikingly handsome, at least in my opinion, and he got a little feature in this documentary. He's wrestling Yamato in his debut match. D- don't ignore this. Uh, I, you know I don't even know. If this is something that's that's noteworthy or not, but look at the show poster that Gaiora has on their website. It's not Madoka Kakuta in the photo. It's Tanaka. This is something that can't be ignored. I'm not saying he's going to be a supernova. He's not going to beat Yamato here. Let's all calm down with our expectations. But this is a kid that you can get in from the very ground floor, and I and I think you you're going to be able to, and I think you should. Yeah, and we don't take a lot from the future exhibition matches, but he has at least a look that in this company will get him far. And he had the chop battle he had with Kagatora was really good. It was really good. <laughs> so, yeah. So at the very least, like my one hope here, I, I need to watch this is dragon gate. I need to make time for that. But my one hope here is Yamato because Yamato had like a pretty feisty chop battle and Hokkaido like that was like the only notable thing that happened was Yamato decided to go really hard on uh, chops against uh who did who was he chopping against I'm looking through my notes my handwriting's awful I don't remember yeah but it's it it, Ryoya Tanaka will be an interesting thing with this uh 
I would really Big Boss Shimizu and Strong Machine J versus Shun Skywalker and Diamante. That match, I know we we talked about how like what what's the deal of Shimizu and what you do this last week with him and Strong Machine J. I just it, it's going to be interesting to see Shumante against one of the bigger possible tag teams they could face. I'm sure the match will be good. I, I don't know. I, I find this card to be as off-putting as some of the Akaido uh, ones. I just, you know, what, what what's the point of any of this? I, I really, I don't think the direction is Kakuta versus a guy in gold class. So why is, why is that headlining here? You know, why is Shimizu not wrestling D-Courage if they're going to do that match? It, it all... I, I don't know. I'm sure this show will be fine, but I'm I'm not excited about it on paper. Yeah, and with how June is lining up, uh, those Corkins are going to have to do some lifting for what's happening on July 2nd, Kobe World. Case, I think we have mined the stone for as much as we can for this week, but was there anything else you want to touch on as the stars are really, really bumming me out, man? I was really hoping... For- for this to be song, we did not put the skate in the crease in 99 for this to happen. Uh, no, the only thing I'll add, I'll, I'll give a quick plug here. If you have not heard it yet, I was on the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast last week with Jesse Collins. That is available, uh, its own feed, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, and it's on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. If you thought this episode was negative, give that one a listen. It was you know, far more pessimistic just about the future of wrestling in-ring trends, talent development, where wrestling goes from here. And Jesse and I both have a lot of concerns over the future, but the feedback we have gotten on it has been greatly appreciated uh, just in terms of the way we, we broach the subject. So thank you to anybody that listened to that. And if you have not, I would, I would recommend giving that a listen. I, I had a lot of fun doing that with Jesse. I've talked about him on this show before. I think he's one of the most interesting minds in wrestling media right now. And I'm glad we got to sit down and do that. Yeah, no, it is an incredible podcast. I saved it. I had I had to drive back or I had to ride back and forth from a ranch this weekend, Case. And hearing y'all just light up people and light up the US indie scene made me I actually felt a little proud hearing that. Yeah. You know, look, look, like, r- like, wrestling talent development is not going to get better on the independent level uh, until something drastically changes and we all just have to accept that. Yeah, but it is an incredible episode. And Jesse, I, I, I enjoy hearing Jesse's Dragon Gate takes. Like, I, it, l- l- like to the extent that I'm like, well, we're looking at Kobe World and Case and I, we're, we're trying to figure out how we're tackling this thing. It's like, maybe it would be very, I, I would be fascinated by this. So maybe listeners would be too. G- getting a perspective from someone who's basically brand new in Dragon Gate as it goes into Kobe World as a different kind of preview would be interesting yeah yeah I'm, uh, look i'm i'm i, I talked about this on the show i i feel like the the dragon gate fan base is the opposite of gatekeeping it is please watch this this is this is so good why is it why why aren't more people watching this and uh the, the more the merrier so i, I enjoy jesse's comments on dragon gate even if i highly disagree with some of them it's always <laughs> nice to have a a fresh voice in the discord thread replying to us on twitter and just listening in general and mike that is all i've got this week before i go yell at a stranger's dog Yep. Uh, speaking of that Discord, that's the best play. That's one of the best places to uh, reach out. I uh, get talk about the show. We have both a channel and the what Voices of Wrestling podcast network uh, a layer, and then also the Dragon Gate uh, sub channel on the Voices of Wrestling Discord is probably my favorite place in history to talk about Dragon Gate, other than on a call with K Slow. So it's worth checking out that. As well, we're on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Cases at underscore in your case. 
I'm at Fujiheya. That's it for Open the Voice Gate. Thanks for listening to us this week. Uh, if you get a chance, please go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, rate and review. It's the best way for new listeners to discover Open the Voice Gate. But for Case, I'm Mike. That's going to do it for this week on Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking about Osaka. Take care, everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Music, it's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.